Hello and welcome to another Private Enterprise edition of our Future of Tax podcast series for tax leaders. Today I'm joined once again by KPMG International's Mike Linter, Global Head of Private Enterprise Tax, Global Tax and Legal, and Greg Lim, Global Head of Family Office and Private Client, two leaders embedded in private enterprises and family offices. In today's episode, we'll take a closer look at how tax rules across jurisdictions can impact and benefit families in philanthropy. Mike and Greg, thank you both for joining me today for what will no doubt be an insightful discussion on the impact of tax-efficient giving on private enterprises. Thanks, Greg, for here. Thank you. We're very much looking forward to this. Let's jump right in. Greg, if it's okay, I'd like to start with you to set the scene for us. Can you give us a brief overview of philanthropy within private enterprises, along with any emerging trends you're seeing today? I think it's fair to say that for many years, philanthropic activities of successful people have played an important role in societies around the world. And this becomes even more important when you look at things in economically and socially challenging times. And as the world continues to transform from the after effects and the economic impact of the COVID pandemic, and pivot towards what we consider a new normal. There's a strong and perhaps increasing desire among many wealthy individuals and, and, and successful businesses to create impact and leave lasting legacies in their communities and beyond. So as a result of this, we're seeing the emergence of what we call a new wave of modern philanthropists, those who are adopting innovative approaches and techniques to philanthropy. And we find the simple act of giving money away to deserving causes while at the heart of a lot of philanthropic endeavour, it's frequently not enough. We're also seeing new ways of giving and coming through and emerging with philanthropists taking the very best of the corporate world and thinking and adding discipline to social causes they support. To answer the trends question, we've seen two trends emerging in recent years. The trend to measure and demonstrate impact. And that's one of the most significant changes that we're seeing emerging with current philanthropists. It's safe to say that today's philanthropists are generally driven by the same desires as those previously in wanting to give back to society, but they differ in the confidence of their ambition, their international reach and the structures they're using and the discipline of measuring impact. We're also seeing the influence of commercial enterprise and the greater discipline adopted by philanthropists, which is changing the way the activity is measured and evaluated. However, that's not perfected art and many are now only beginning to explore the role that increased amounts of the data that's available to them and what that can do. So consequently, measuring the return on investment and the return on effort is going to continue to evolve and develop over time. The second trend we're seeing is impact investing. Continued improvements in technology not only enables a new channel for donations to be made, but it also a platform to expose inequities but also raise public awareness about the need for change and highlight global leading practices. And this awareness means that many more philanthropists are becoming more intentional about what they do. For instance, many private enterprises are serious about integrating ESG factors and whether or not addressing climate impacts of the business, making donations to the community, enhancing the health and safety or broad diversity or ensuring broad diversity are key things for them in the business. And whilst it's still in its infancy, impact investing in our experience leads to a shared belief among philanthropists. And at the same time, we're witnessing large global capital allocations moving in to ESG investment strategies. So I guess the final point to emphasise on this is that all this capital is seeking impact. The core business of philanthropic organisations is, 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 and that's its key. 
Philanthropists will normally naturally have different goals and aims, but there's a clear trend towards impact investing and where tracked record and measurable societal impact can be aligned and brought through from there. And Mike, as Greg mentioned, private enterprises and family offices are using new approaches to giving and collaboration strategies. From a tax perspective, how can private enterprises look to maximise tax efficient giving? What impacts are there for those who benefit from philanthropic activity and those who give? I think it's absolutely essential that these entities choose the right structure. The framework for effective giving will naturally vary from country to country and from person to person. But the important common thread is that a strategic framework is necessary to provide direction to activity, to provide the basis for measuring impact and to enable meaningful collaboration and provide a sustainable forum. Choosing the right structure for activities dependent on many different factors, including local regulations, tax regimes, cultural norms and historical activity, as well as whether it's the pursued personality personally or via a business. The ultimate purpose for giving will factor in that decision making, of course. And family and corporate foundations are the most commonly adopted structures and for some very good reasons. They can help provide clarity on where to direct funds and how to respond to requests for funding. And more importantly, they provide the vehicle to engage and collaborate with other foundations, philanthropists, governments and NGOs. Direct giving continues to, however, to remain very popular and effective, allowing philanthropists and their families to support more personal projects, often in communities and causes near and dear to them. On that note, many businesses decide to keep the family philanthropy separate from the company policy on philanthropy. So one does not constrain the other. Even if they have similar values and motivations, in this way, neither the reputation of the family nor of the business is at stake should either of these be subjected to criticism or review. Thanks, Mike. Greg, from your perspective, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Well, I think it's fair to say that there's no one size fits all. And we often find that rather than jumping to the solution, clients want to find out and, and it's important to understand the why so that it can help them get to the optimum how. They want to give time, they want to share their expertise, but they also want to be able to demonstrate the impact of the activity. Let me try and illustrate this with a real life example of what we've seen in, in evidence and in action. We had a client who wished to help startups struggling to obtain finance. And this followed similar experience at the beginning of her entrepreneurial journey. Initially, the client wanted to provide credit facilities on an ad hoc basis, but without any real strategy or clear plan of what she wanted to achieve. And subsequently, it was becoming really difficult to measure the impact. And it took away some of that passion of what she was bringing to, to her philanthropic endeavor. Now, ultimately, this led to the client building in some form of formality, which is something she didn't want to do, but she understood the real reasons for doing that. And the criteria she set down allowed her to do that for helping the startups. It allowed them to understand the services that they were able to provide and what was expected in return. And this became key in ensuring that she was able to create maximum impact. And additionally, for this client, we decided that a not-for-profit company was the best route and the best vehicle to use to provide separation from her personally and from her business, so that it was a clear and separate identity that was there. And we often find that corporate experience plays a role in choosing the structures. Philanthropists, often with their root in private equity, for example, choose to adopt structures where they can bring about the most effective change, which enables levers to be pulled to ripple change over a much wider area. Whereas those who might be more of a venture capitalist in their background choose structures that will sometimes allow them to stay close to projects so they can be more hands-on and in which they can invest and see firsthand how that money's being used 
and being put to good effect. Thanks, Greg. That's great. Now, Mike, from a global standpoint, how do tax rules differ across jurisdictions in relation to giving? Yes, yeah, so ta- tax incentives, um, really, obviously, there are some commonalities across them globally. For example, non-profit organisations are exempt from corporate tax in many countries, and donors are generally entitled to a deduction or a tax credit for a gift made to a registered non-profit organisation. However, some countries offer additional tax incentives in respect of gift certificate assets or to specific organisations. For example, in Canada, publicly traded shares donated to a registered charity are exempted from capital gains taxes in addition to the deduction or tax credit granted to the donor. Whilst in Singapore, donations to charities that have the institutions of a public character and IPC status can be eligible to a deduction representing 250% of the amount of the gift. However, it's important to remember that the residency status of the donor will usually determine the country of philanthropic structure or the gift, since the tax incentives are only useful if the donor is subject to tax in this country. Despite the tax incentives, many philanthropists will decide to establish their structure in a country because of other considerations such as transparency, geographical reach, pauses and regulations. To many individuals and entities, confidentiality is an important aspect for many philanthropists and the level of confidentiality granted to charitable organisations varies greatly between countries. Some countries like Canada, the UK and Germany require non-profit organisations to file information returns that are made available to the public, while in other countries like Austria and Jersey, such information returns are kept confidential. There's also a point around geographical reach of the causes which can be supported by the philanthropists and also play an important part in choosing the right structure. Many countries like the US, Canada and Austria allow charities to conduct activities in any region and countries, whilst in contracts to other countries like South Africa and Singapore, charities can only conduct activities that benefit wholly or substantially the public of the country. There are also a range of courses recognised as charitable purposes that also vary from country to country. Some countries have a very broad definition of a charitable purpose. This is notably the case in the Netherlands, that a charity must serve the public or general interest. Other countries provide a specific list of causes that can be considered as charitable purposes, like Austria and South Africa. Philanthropists that seek flexibility in the causes that they support could therefore turn to countries that allow a wide range of activities instead of countries that have stricter rules. There are also additional regulations to the causes that can be recognised as charitable purposes. Some countries have very strict rules on the way that charities conduct their activities. For example, some types of charities in Canada, Australia and the US are required to contribute annually amounts for charitable purposes that generally represent 5% of the fair market value of their assets. And in Singapore, charities are required to keep their fundraising expense ratio below 30% of their fundraising receipts. Many countries also prohibit a charity from lobbying or gauging in any activities that support or oppose the political party or legislation. This is the case notably in the Canada and the US. Just like choosing the right structure, there's no one size fits all in terms of choosing the right country for pursuing philanthropic activities. And it's important to understand the main drivers behind any gift or contribution. Thanks, Mike. As we conclude today's episode, I wonder if each of you have any final thoughts for our listeners. Greg, can we start with you? I would suggest it's to design a plan at the beginning of the journey. Many individuals and private enterprises looking to make a philanthropic impact should begin with an analysis of their philanthropic values, which can then hopefully help to identify their priority issues that they want to, that they want to help and support. 
And from there, a plan can be developed to achieve their goals. And obviously, each of these plans will be unique. And it could be, include things like improving the ESG and the CSR performance of the operating company. Or it could include setting up a private foundation using some form of a donor advised fund with a public foundation to, 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 to bring better good there or working collectively with other funders. It could even involve defining the roles of other family members, choosing charity partners and engaging with external advisors. And Mike, your final thoughts? I think taking advice at the right time and choosing the right advice is absolutely critical. Designing a strategy and plan for philanthropy and impact can be very challenging, as you've heard today. The right advisor can help you define your philanthropic values, select an appropriate charitable vehicle, identify governance considerations and operational processes, and develop a real plan for evaluation, and of course, maximise any tax advantages any gift or contribution can have. Thanks, Mike. That neatly concludes this edition of our Private Enterprise series, a part of our podcast series for tax and legal leaders. On behalf of our listeners, I'd like to thank both you and Greg for joining me today. Please join us again next time and also email us with any questions you have about today's episode at tax at kpmg.com. And we'd also love to hear from you with any suggestions you have for future episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>